0: Hey, Drew Dixon from Loveline Nerd, back with you for another Bible Thump, and uh, we're in First Peter, which is where we've been for a while, and um, yeah, we've been looking at this letter and trying to unpack a little bit of encouragement from it. So, I want to read First Peter, starting in chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> and again, the goal here is to find some encouragement and to make us think. Um, you know what? Actually, before I read that, I want to ask you a question. Um as you as as i read this here's what i want you to be thinking if you could observe yourself from the outside looking in like observe yourself living your life as if like as if someone else were living it like you're on the outside looking in somehow you're embodying <laughs> two existences uh, only only that you in the real world doing life is not Is not you. I'm I'm sorry to confuse you. Just pretend like you're watching yourself from the outside looking in as if someone else were living your life. What what would you see? What would you be giving your time to? Um, What would you be concerned about? What would be causing you anxiety? What would be fueling your passion? What would be motivating you um, and moving you um, you'd see yourself certainly going to work and going to school and, and hanging out with friends and dinner with family, taking care of your kids, um, doing schoolwork, like all those kinds of things, right? Um, but you'd also see yourself like messing around on Facebook, uh, scrolling through Instagram, TikTok. Uh, you'd probably see yourself scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. How much of our life is spent scrolling? You'd probably see yourself playing video games or going to game nights, board games with friends. Um, lots of things you would see yourself doing. All right. Now, I want you to think more importantly, like what would, be, what would be motivating you? What would be moving you to do those things? How would you be carrying yourself as you engage in these, these activities? What's your focus? Where are you headed? What are you accomplishing? All right. With that in mind, Let's read 1 Peter 4 starting in verse 1. Peter writes, "Therefore since Christ suffered in the flesh, <clears throat> excuse me, arm yourself with the same understanding, because the one who suffered in the flesh is finished with sin, in order to le- live the remaining of the flesh, the remainder the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires but for the will of God, for there has already been enough time spent" In doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on an unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. Verse 5, they will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel is also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to god's desire god's standards for 7 the end of all things is near therefore be alert and sober minded for prayer above all maintain a constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins be hospitable to one another without complaining just as each one has received a gift <clears throat> use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of god if anyone speaks let it be as one who speaks god's words if anyone serves let it be the strength that god provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. All right, so I asked you to think about seeing yourself from the outside looking in. What what did you see? But more importantly than like what you did day in and day out, what was moving you? What was moving you to go to work? What was moving you to to operate the way you operate at work? What was moving you to build relationships with certain people and not build relationships, relationships with certain other people? What, what was moving you? Um, I think that's what Peter's on about here. Now he's on about this issue of what motivates us, what motivates our living in the context of two things. One is in the context of suffering. He's writing to Christians in Asia Minor in the first century who, who were being ostracized, who were being looked down upon, who were being made to feel less than because of their faith in Jesus. He's writing to suffering Christians. That's who he's, that's that, so there, there's that context looming over what he says here. The second context that's looming over this is what he talks about at the end. The end of all things is near. So in other words, there's this new era of human history, this new world, that has already um, begun, but has not yet been brought to completion. Um, God, through Jesus in Peter's mind, has brought about this new era of, of of life. He's inaugurated a new world that's awaiting its fulfillment in Jesus. And Peter's saying, we're living in this in time. <laughs> I'm not going to get weird on you here, I promise. Uh, we won't talk about the rapture or, or signs of the apocalypse or anything. Um, Peter's not concerned with signs of the apocalypse and the Bible says almost nothing about the rapture. And so, um, yeah, that's not, not his focus here, but what is his focus is this reality that Jesus has changed things and he's brought about a new era and the world will never, never go back to the way it was. Jesus has begun a work of healing on this world that has taken shape and taken root and it won't go away. It's going to, it's going to bear fruit. Okay, so with that in mind, um, what, what ought we to be doing? In light of suffering, and then in light of, of this reality that Christ has begun a new era, what should we do? Well, he essentially says, you've given enough time for living in the flesh. You've had plenty of time to do what the world does. That's what he's saying. He's saying, not, not telling us to stay off Facebook or TikTok, <laughs> but what he is saying is, is you've had plenty of time... To go the route of the rest of the world, what are they doing? Well, he says they're doing things like uh, carrying on an unrestrained behavior, so they're not thinking about the impact of their of their, of their actions. Um, they're doing things like evil desire uh, unrestrained evil desires, uh, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, lawless idolatry, so they're they're engaging in sex in a way that has no mindfulness of neighbor. Uh, it's just about personal pleasure. Um, that's a broken view of sex, because sex is this thing that God designed to be mutually mutually beneficial, right? And so if we have this view of it that it's all about me getting my pleasure, then it's a broken view. Carousing and lawless idolatry, orgies, um, all these things are rooted in what? In elevation of me, what I want, what I think I deserve. Okay, so that keeping that in mind, later on he says things like this. Um, what are we to do now? Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So whatever ways you're blessed or gifted, we ought to be thinking not how can I use this to get ahead, but how can I use this to serve others? He says, above all, maintain a constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. So in the... Re- in light of the fact that we have to suffer sometimes for our faith in Jesus and in light of the fact that we, that Jesus has inaugurated a new age, a new world, uh, and he's redeeming this world. Um, what should we do? Well, we should love each other constantly, maintain a constant love. Why? Because it covers a multitude of sins. This doesn't mean that it hides our sins or that it covers them up. Um, but rather, what it does mean, I think, is that that love forgives and heals our sins. He goes on to say that. Love covers a multitude of sins. Um, he, he says later on, um, he talks about the forgiveness of, that Jesus offers at the end of this passage. So, the end of all things is, is near. Therefore, be alert and so reminded. Um, what does that mean? It means to live knowing the reality of this new world that God has established through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Jesus has established a new age, a new era of human history, and we can't go back. So, so live with a constant awareness that Jesus is king, that he's one, that he's, that he's redeeming, he's resurrecting, redeeming, and renewing the world. He's making human hearts new and whole again. So in the first part of this passage, we see all these dehumanizing attitudes and behaviors. In the second part of this passage, we see what it means to really be human, what it really means to be human is to be hospitable to one another without complaining. Do you see, um, opportunities to host people in your home or to just show kindness to people or to make the lives of the people around you just like better in some, even in some like small insignificant way, seemingly insignificant way. Do you see that as, as a joy, as an opportunity? Do you embrace those kind of opportunities? Um, Peter wants us to be good stewards of the varied grace of God. In other words, he wants us to be mindful of the various ways we're skilled, gifted, um, in the various ways we possess resources. There's the, God's grace is varied. like There's so many forms and shapes of it. There's so many ways in which God has blessed us and made our lives richer and fuller and given to us and, and, and given us skills and assets and um stuff. Do you see all those things, your skills, your assets, your stuff, everything you own, everything you possess, inwardly and outwardly, do you see those things as opportunities to love God and love neighbor? To bless and to give and to make the world more into the image of Jesus. Those are humane behaviors. Those are truly human behaviors. The ones that are the the dehumanizing behaviors the behaviors you mentioned before evil desires and drunkenness and lawlessness um the sort of idea of like i don't care if my actions make the world a worse place or harm my neighbor i want i want what i want and i want to i want to be filled he's calling us to leave that behind Peter says, you've had enough time to operate by this broken world standards, living selfishly. Now's the time to embrace the way of Jesus, intensified by suffering and by the reality of this new world that he's brought about. Um, N.T. Wright says, uh, love is, one of the most, is perhaps the most creative thing that we can do. Uh, the positive act of outgoing love is the most creative thing in the world. And he says the gift of love we're invited to offer one another minute by minute, day by day, throughout our lives, actually transform situations so that the multitude of sins which were there before are taken out of the equation. Not that they're hidden, but they're redeemed, they're healed, they're forgiven, they're reconciled. And now we can stop fighting so much and have better relationships. We can stop getting, um, you know, exploiting our neighbor and begin serving our neighbor. We can stop looking down on the people around us and see their value. And begin to have relationships of healing, and 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 love and mutual care, right? Um, so uh, sometimes I think it happens that um, like someone has a near death experience, like uh, you know you, you get in a car wreck and like you 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 realize how close you were to being super seriously hurt, um, like you know inches away from serious, serious accident. I've had some pretty gnarly bike wrecks. And sometimes I think about like, oh man, like, cause I know people who've had serious mountain biking accidents that like were paralyzed or, or worse. I mean, I've heard stories about people dying on mountain bikes. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes I've had, I've had this kind of experiences. What do you do when you have a, a, a near, you know, like a, a fatal stroke or a heart attack or a, or a horrible car wreck that you feel like you were close to death? Well, many people say they've, Rethink their whole lives, right? And we can see more clearly what matters and what doesn't. In the same way, I think Peter's saying, if you suffer for the gospel, it brings that kind of clarity into your life. And if you haven't, I think the reality of this new age that Jesus is bringing in, a relationship with Jesus should, should do something similarly for us, shouldn't it? It should cause us to reevaluate our lives and to see our lives with a greater clarity, to be able to step out. Like I mentioned before, to detach detach ourselves from ourselves and observe and think, Hey, maybe I wanna have a different attitude towards my neighbor. Hey, maybe I wanna approach my wife with more kindness this week. Hey, maybe maybe my attitude is broken or off. Maybe there's something that needs to change about how the way I'm living. But just as the crucifixion of Jesus was the most wicked things humans ever did uh, in the history of the universe. It was also the most kind and powerfully loving thing God ever did. And so you see a relation with Jesus flips the script. Um, and so that we can begin to see what it means to live under the frame of God's transforming love, to live with that in mind so that we can let it shine through out from us and into our neighbors, our friends, our family, our churches, our communities. Make sense? We've had had enough time to live the way the world does. Let's let the transforming love of Christ shape everything that we do, the way we go to school, the way we go to work, the way we scroll on Facebook. And maybe, I think, probably it would influence us to do a little bit less scrolling on social media and be a little bit more proactive with our love for the people around us and for the God who redeemed us and is shaping us. Make sense? Hope this encourages you. We'll see you again next time.